Welcome back to The Blackout. We are coming to you from bellyupsports.com. As always, he is Alan Denton. I'm Thomas Black, and we're here for you for another college football weekend ahead. Alan, how are you? Man, I'm doing really well. Excited to um, get back at it and have another week of picks to talk about. It's uh, it's exciting. It absolutely is. Before we jump into everything with the picks, let's go ahead and take a glance back at this past weekend with some Power 5 ponderings, Alan. It was another exciting weekend in college football. I've got a couple of bullet points to hit, but we're going to get to them eventually, so I'm just going to start it off with a couple. We've got the Big 12 upsets, Texas and Oklahoma going down. We've got the powers in the SEC really showing some dominance, especially Alabama and Georgia. You can kind of throw Florida in there as well, but it wasn't as much dominance. Alan, what did you take notice of as we worked our way through another exciting college football weekend? Well, again, the the Big 12 is is out of it. You know, I, I think that much is, is clear at this point. And um, I think some teams are beginning to, to show that they're beginning to separate themselves. I think you saw Georgia begin to separate themselves. Um, I think that, that you saw the um, team like Oklahoma and Texas, obviously not separate themselves. So I think we're beginning to, to see some of the cream rise to the top. It was a really fascinating weekend inside the big 12. Obviously we had already seen hints of it going all the way back to week one, You know, you had Iowa State following, you had Kansas State following, uh, all the Sunbelt teams, uh, Kansas as well. But then you go to this weekend and, you know, we had talked about it. We're like, okay, we've got a couple of teams that are kind of at the top, but then Oklahoma had fallen already once. Now they fall again this weekend. Texas joins them. Uh, It really is a bunch of parity inside the Big 12. And kind of as you're alluding to, it's not a good thing. You know, you're looking at it just a handful of teams now that are up at the top, undefeated in Big 12 play. And uh, I believe that Oklahoma State's the only undefeated team left in the Big 12. So uh, definitely not a great look for the conference as a whole. And it, it does mean that there's a lot of work left to get done for anybody that would hope to have a chance at the college football playoff. You're exactly right. At this point, Oklahoma State has to be their one hope, and unless you see something crazy like an Iowa State or a Kansas State run the table. Um, and even then, I'm not sure that, that, that they would be able to get in, but th- they potentially could. I think moving over into the SEC, I think you see that, that Florida is who we, they thought, we, we thought they were. Um, that they looked pretty dominant. I don't know that uh, – I think as you and I sat here and talked last week in the ACC, um, I think that North Carolina has a lot of holes that they've got to work out. Um, and then, uh, we sat here and bragged on Kentucky and then they just went and literally pooped the bed Mm. on Saturday. (laughs) It was a struggle for a bunch of teams out there. One thing I'll go back to you with, with the big 12, uh, just to glance back at it, I would say maybe the only other thing you could look for, uh, in terms of a team running the table and still making a chance at the college football playoff might be like a Texas, um, you yeah. know, that's because they just have the one loss right now. It's just at this point, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I, I think what they've shown through a couple of weeks now, I don't really think they're capable. Uh, I think they're probably going to have another loss or two in there somewhere. And then uh, inside the SEC, you mentioned it. You know, Florida looked good. Uh, we had the complete dominance by Georgia over Auburn. That was impressive. Alabama did exactly what we thought they would to Texas A&M, even though that game was close early on. Uh, they pulled away with some dominant play. And like you said, uh, some teams that we were talking about in the Pick'em Contest last week, even Kentucky, they kind of did what we thought they would in some respects. They ran for mm-hmm. over 400 yards. They were dominant on the offensive line. They outgained Ole Miss, uh, but they had a number of blunders in there, including the missed extra point in overtime that allowed Ole Miss to come away with an easy win. You know, just by kick- in terms of you know just kicking the extra point, it obviously wasn't an easy win overall. Absolutely, I, it was. I couldn't believe watching that game. Some of the mistakes that 
that Kentucky made. But I mean, kudos. Lane Kiffin goes on the road and wins in a in a Big Twelve style shootout. They don't have much defense, but they had enough defense when they needed it, right? And they 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 were able to um, limit Terry Wilson through the air. They did just enough, and Matt Corral has turned out to be a a top-shelf quarterback in the SEC. He's really been unbelievable. He has thrown for a bunch of yards. He's really protected the football, and that offense has shown a lot of capability to put up points. They've got weapons in several different places, and Matt Corral has done a really, really good job, I think better than anybody anticipated to this point uh, with what he has faced so far. And, uh, and it's really a credit to Lane Kiffin for what he has done and bringing in that offense Hey, having the guts to make the switch to Matt Corral, who kind of lost that job last year, and it has meant the world so far for an Ole Miss team that, you know what, they're not perfect. They've got a lot of issues on defense, uh, but at the same time, they have a high-scoring shootout with, with Florida with a loss, and then they've got the win. They've got things certainly moving in the right direction. Absolutely. And now enter Nick Saban and Alabama Crimson tied into their life to, to bring it back down to the earth. <laughs> that is true. Alan, one of the topics that we have to look at inside the SEC East, because we've kind of alluded to it at this point, uh, you've got a hierarchy right now of three 2-0 teams in the SEC East. You've got a bunch of 0-2 teams down below it. And then in the, in the SEC West, you've got Alabama at 2-0, and then everybody else is 1-1. Alabama looks like the clear-cut favorite, so we're not, we're not going to talk a lot about that. But at this point, what we've seen so far, what are you looking at and favoring in the SEC East between Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee? I think that uh, at this point, you've, I think you still have to give the edge based on what we saw Saturday. I don't want to be captive to the moment. But I think that you still have to – I personally still favor Georgia in the SEC East just because I think that defensively they will be able to handle Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. I think that they'll be able to, to handle them enough and score enough on what is not a what, – what we've grown to consider a traditional Florida defense, right? They give up some points. Their defensive line is not – great outside of maybe Brenton Cox. Um, and, and so you get to the point where they're, they're going to give up some points each game, but they're also going to score uh, a lot. So you're, I think Georgia is going to have enough defense to be able to, to beat Florida in a, in a, a matchup, a big matchup a little bit later on and moving to the, the sec West. I still favor at this point, based on what I've seen Auburn, though they are going to have, to figure some things out along the defensive and offensive lines now, because that was that was shown to be a huge problem on Saturday. Um, yeah, now but, you're talking about second place finish, right? Yeah, in second place. Yes, Alabama sure. is Alabama is far superior to anybody on the west side. Just making sure. Um, yeah, and, and so I think they're going to kind of beat each other up. I think Alabama will finish with either zero or one loss in the SEC. And then they'll end up having the, the second place team will, I think, will have probably three SEC losses. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that same page. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be Auburn. I, I, honestly, I don't know who to pick, though. Um, it's kind of down to Auburn, Texas A&M or, or LSU. Each one of them has had some issues so far. I might kind of guess LSU at this point. That's, I, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about that because of the loss to Mississippi State, but you know, they, they seem to get some things corrected and the offense seems like it's moving a good direction. So I might side with them just because I think they might uh, get things clicking a little bit quicker than an Auburn does. Uh, but mm -hmm. in the SEC East, I'm exactly with you. I think it's Georgia. Uh, we talked about that preseason. You and I were both on the same page. Uh, we talked about how there are a lot of people who are on this Florida team. Of course, they're impressive offensively, but I think there's some gaps and holes defensively. And when you look at this Georgia defense, I think it's one of the top probably two or three units in the entire conference, whether you're talking about mm -hmm. offense or defense. I mean, it's right there at the top. And then, of course, the concerns that we had with Georgia's offense coming off of the win against Arkansas, I think a lot of that was dispelled this past weekend and what they did against Auburn. So I think a lot back to what we thought maybe Georgia was going to show. 
they still have some growing pains offensively to figure out, but I think they're headed the right direction. And I think that means the world, while their defense should certainly keep them in every single game all year. Exactly. If as long as they can continue to get decent quarterback play, very continue to be physical up front on the offensive line, they're gonna they're going to win the vast majority of their games just because their defense is is incredibly good, um, and 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 has been historically good up to this point. So um, they just overwhelmed Auburn, and they picked off Bo Nix, ending his streak. Which I said was going <laughs> <laughs> to. I had forgotten all about it, but props to you, Alan. I agreed with you, but uh, definitely a good call there. It made a lot of sense. Yeah, so we'll see moving forward. But I think we've got a pretty good idea of who the the top players are, and for the most part, they were who we thought would be um, entering to the season. I think that the middle two through four both in the East and in the West is and for the SEC is going to be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Let's jump back real quick to the big 12 as well. We mentioned it's a lot of parody. Uh, can you identify who you would pick out uh, to face off each other in the big 12 championship game at season's end? I think at this point it's my, my best guess would be um, Iowa state and uh texas okay at this point be and the reason i say that it depends on in my opinion it depends on how long um that skylar thompson's out for kansas state otherwise if skylar thompson's healthy it's kansas state wow and texas it's interesting i think there's a lot of different teams who are capable at this point because of the parody uh the disappointing nature of what we've seen in the conference uh, I'm not certain that Texas is going to make it back. Uh, I think they're capable for sure. Uh, but you look at the 2-0 and teams at the top, I think Oklahoma State has a chance. I think Iowa mm-hmm. State has a chance. I'm not as high as you on Kansas State just because I think uh, their offense is a little bit limited. And I don't think defensively they are uh, – I don't think they're any better necessarily defensively. So I think that – I think they're going to find some losses as they move through the year. Um, but then you look in the middle and you're talking about a Texas – I think there's going to be a bunch of losses to where if Oklahoma can work out some things offensively and defensively, maybe even Oklahoma could get back in the discussion, but they're really behind the eight ball with an 0-2 record in conference. Uh, But I think Texas, I even think TCU maybe uh, could insert themselves into the conversation. So I think there's a lot of teams. Uh, But at this point, I think I might go with Oklahoma State. Uh, I might just go kind of chalky and go Oklahoma State and, and Iowa State up there at the top. Um, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of fascinated by TCU's chances with Max Duggan. Cause I think he's really taken a jump this year from his freshman year last year. He was terrific on Saturday, right? I mean, he was, he was the difference maker as it turns out. He was better. I mean, he, he was, you know, a bit healthier, um, than he was the, the week prior and that kind of stuff working his way back in, but he was the better quarterback on the field, in my opinion, on Saturday. Yeah, I think he absolutely was. And what we saw from him as a freshman, look, he was really solid. For a freshman quarterback in the Big 12 and the and the things that were on his shoulders uh, taking the responsibility of that job last year, I think he had a lot on his plate. Uh, but to me, I think he looks kind of like a different guy to this point. I was very impressed by what I've seen from him early and uh, I'm kind of excited what that means for for uh, the the staff over there, Gary Patterson every, and everybody, for what it means for their program going forward. Because, you know, TCU hasn't been great in a while, and uh, I'm not necessarily saying they are this year because they still don't look uh, like they're up to snuff defensively for what they normally are. Uh, but having Max Duggan in the fold and having him really step up and improve, I think could uh, really show benefits for them this season. Absolutely. They haven't. I mean, they haven't been great since was 2014 when they were just left Baylor and then were just left out of the playoff, I think. Yeah, I believe uh, that's right. And so, I mean, they've not had a great team since then. This has the potential to turn out to be, and I'm with you there, have the potential to be a, a very, very good team. Yeah, I think it'll just be kind of the defensive side of the ball in which they come up a little bit short in terms of that stuff. But I think they're really showing some promise for getting back up to that upper echelon of the Big 12. And I think it could be a lot of fun for the competition uh, heading to the conference championship. And if there is a team fortunate enough to stick with 
one or zero losses, um, you know, and having a fighter's chance to make it to the college football playoff. Absolutely. Alan, any other things you want to touch from the Power Five before we head off the break? You know, I, I think uh, I hate the fact that pick them wise that we didn't know that Navy's quarterback wasn't going to play until like 30 minutes before that game. <laughs> <laughs> right. That kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, Hey, sometimes you just, uh, you take the L and you, you move on and, uh, you learn to, to walk and learn to live again. Yeah, man. And that's how this season is going to go because we are going to have so many adjustments from our expectations Right before kickoff this year, you're going to have the rug pulled out from you a number of times. It's going to go for you, me, and everybody else. And you're just going to have to hope that you catch wind enough of those things throughout the year or you're paying attention enough. And at the same time, hope those things don't cost you big time as you go throughout. But it is going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, it really will be. You're going to have to be, even sometimes on Saturday, you're going to have to to just check. Check your Twitter feed. Check our Twitter feeds just in case some of that info releases at the last second. Yeah, that is exactly right. Alan, before we go off to break, I'm going to mention it real quick. This week, just like last week, we have 12 games on the board in the Pick'em Contest. And each week through October, you get the opportunity to run a perfect slate all the way through, whether that's 12 or, hey, even if there's a postponement or two before we reach the weekend, that's whatever number of games are there. If you run a perfect board, then you get your name thrown into a drawing for a prize pack from Manscaped. Uh, That is valued at $99.99. So what we do here on the Blackout is we bring you the Pick'em Contest. We bring you opportunities for prizes along the way. And Alan, here's one of the best parts. We've had a couple of people join this contest ever since it kicked off, you know, two, three weeks in where they don't get any points for their first weeks. And they may not be up for our grand prize, But if you've got somebody who's interested in this type of thing and they want to join the competition and they want to get a shot at a prize pack that through October from Manscaped and we'll have some other opportunities come up for you in the future as well, then get them in because they can run a perfect board and they can still win some prizes. And it means they're a part of these contests going forward. So a lot of fun stuff there. And it means, hey, even if people join the competition late, they still have a shot to win something. Exactly. Hey. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. And, and I mean, $100 worth of prizes for a perfect week, I'll take that any day of the week. Absolutely, Alan. It's tough to do. We've seen it before in our previous competitions. We always had 10 games a week. And, you know, we've got more with CBS this year, but it kind of adds an extra dynamic. It's more fun. And at the same time, you're still going to have opportunities. And, hey, this week is kind of one of those weeks. We've got a lot of double-digit favorites. So, This is kind of a week that if it goes chalk, then you could see a lot of people get very, very close to that perfect week. Absolutely. I don't know that it will go chalk, but you do have a lot of high lines this week. So maybe you'll make that right extra sweet, saucy pick, you know, and and, uh, just just the right amount of season, just like that Chick-fil-A barbecue sauce. And just uh, that'll be the one that uh, that ends up putting you over the top and you can groom yourself like like a beautiful beast that you are. (laughs) Yes, sir. That is right. We're headed off to break. And when we come back, we're going to take you through news and notes, the game of the week, value picks as well, all on the other side, right here on the blackout. This is the best college football pick'em pod in the land. He is AD, I am TB, and we're rolling with you through another week of the pick'em contest on the best college football pick'em pod in the land. So, Alan, let's go ahead and jump into some news and notes for things that are going to pertain to this week's pick'em contest, things that people need to be tuned into. And hey, you get a bonus listening to the podcast. You're going to get extra information that some people who aren't paying as much attention don't get. So it's a reward for you, the listener. Alan, we've got Florida State at Notre Dame this week, and we have a change coming at quarterback for the Seminoles. We've got Jordan Travis going to get his first career start against Notre Dame. That is because he came in and helped Florida State stave off Jacksonville State in a come-from-behind <laughs> win. 
that what a statement that we have to to say that that is like so 2020 right that 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 they had to change quarterbacks to come back come back and defeat Jacksonville State <laughs> truly it is and now if you're keeping count if you've been paying attention to the Seminoles, this is the third starter they're going to have through the season already. So they've already had a bunch of guys, James Blackman, Tate Rodemaker, Rodemaker this past week, and now all of a sudden J- Jordan Travis is going to get his shot as well. He came off a performance of throwing for 210 yards, a touchdown. He also ran it 11 times for 48 yards and another score. So a pretty impressive performance, but it was against Jacksonville State. Yeah, absolutely. But up to this point, they hadn't been able to do anything against anybody. They could have been out there versus a team that only had seven guys, and they weren't going to take the ball down the field with any of their other quarterbacks. And so at this point, I think Travis at least gives them some hope. It gives them a little bit of momentum forward and going into a big game against Notre Dame. Maybe that gives them some juice to um, maybe even cover the spread. (laughs) (laughs) let's hope so for the Seminoles or else it's going to be a really long year Uh, if they had lost to Jacksonville State just think about how this thing would have snowballed it would have gotten really ugly really quick but at least they have some sort of positive statement they can put forward going into another tough game like you said against Notre Dame Allen also NC State at Virginia this week we've got Devin Leary getting his second start for the Wolfpack, that is because he came in and started last week in a surprise win at Pittsburgh. He threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. So Devin Leary really getting things rolling for NC State in that offense. That was a big, that was a really big win for Dave Doran. Um, otherwise, they would have been in a really difficult position, in my opinion, moving forward in the ACC and for, for his job. But defensively is where they struggle, right? Like they've given up a lot of points every single game. And so in order to to keep up with that, kudos to them for making that adjustment. And it gave them the, the, the kind of the fire that they needed to beat a pretty good Pittsburgh team. Yeah, I had heard some rumors that this NC State team had some things working in the offseason. I'm with you. For Dave Doran, this is huge. They've already picked up win number two on the season after some rough times last year. And to do it at Pitt, you know, Pitt had just knocked off Louisville and another one of the stronger offenses in the ACC. So for NC State to actually go into Pittsburgh and come away with a win in a one-point game, very, very impressive and huge for the coaching staff as a whole. Allen, another one. We've got another quarterback situation, Virginia Tech at North Carolina, a top 25 matchup this week in the Pick'em Contest. And we have... Uh, Virginia Tech's supposed starter before the season, before the season, Hendon Hooker is expected to be available. I don't know if he's going to start the game, but I think this is a big deal as well. If you've been keeping track with the Hokies, he's one of the guys that's been out because of contact tracing with COVID, and he's missed a couple of games so far. So this, I think, is a really, really big deal for Virginia Tech. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime that you get your what you would have believed to have been your starting quarterback back is a, is a big deal. I mean, somewhere Terrell Owens is, is, is crying into a mic said, that's my quarterback. (laughs) It will be interesting to see what goes down at North Carolina with this game, just because, Hey, these are two of the teams that were supposed to be at the top of the coastal division. Of course, everything's now mixed up in the ACC where you've just got everybody in a one division format. And so it's going to be really interesting to see which team comes out on top here because, Hey, whoever does really puts themselves in a position to look like a challenger within the conference, working the way up to the conference championship game. Exactly. At this point, that would almost, whoever kind of wins this game sets themselves up to be that, that second or, you know, to be in that conversation to be two through four in the ACC. Whereas the, the loser of this game probably is looking more towards fourth or fifth in the conference, but the winner sets themselves up to, to, in my opinion, to compete with Notre Dame to be second in the conference. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm with you. I'd say that in my mind, just because we haven't seen as much from these other teams, I'd say they kind of fit in behind Notre Dame and maybe even Miami. Uh, so I would say probably fourth for me, 
but I think it's right there on the verge of discussion. And hey, show yourself a little bit more against some better competition. And hey, we may be talking about you as a real threat to make it all the way to the ACC championship game in Charlotte. Absolutely. It's going to be uh, one of those types of games that really begins to put one more piece of the puzzle in, in place for what we see the ACC to end up shaping up to be. Yeah. Let's move over to the Big 12 with news and notes. We've got a couple quarterback situations. This was from the same game last week. Allen in the Texas Tech and Kansas State game, we saw both starting quarterbacks go down to injury. You mentioned it earlier with Kansas State. That was Skylar Thompson injuring his throwing arm with Allen Bowman. He injured his ankle. He's been listed as day-to-day. I've seen enough reporting going on that kind of insinuates both of these guys could possibly play this weekend, but I don't think it's a sure thing in either case. So that's kind of something to keep your eye on as we move into the weekend, because whether these guys, whether these teams can get their starting guys back or not uh, depends on how competitive they're going to be. Kansas State at TCU, Texas Tech at Iowa State. Exactly. I think that's a a very big deal for both of these teams. Uh, those games otherwise could get um, potentially ugly, especially as as well as TCU's playing at this point. TCU has the ability to to really blow a team out, especially if if you if you you know you don't have your A game with your starting quarterback. Yeah, the guys that made the replacements and those in that game last week was freshman Will Howard with Kansas State. He threw for 173 yards and a touchdown, but a couple of those were really big passes. It's not like uh, he was consistently uh, just blowing past the Texas Tech defense. He just had a couple pop plays, even that pass late to uh, Deuce Vaughn that went for a touchdown that separated Kansas State and gave them the win. And with Texas Tech, you've got Henry Columbi, who threw for nearly 250 yards, a couple touchdowns and a pick. He also had eight carries for 40 yards. I, honestly, I thought those guys did better than I would have guessed they would in backup roles. So I, I think they may still be able to get something coming uh, you know, for the offense, but uh, both these teams are certainly in better spots if it's Skylar Thompson and Alan Bowman taking the snaps. Absolutely. And, I mean, pretty much any one of us could go out and score against Texas Tech at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we could legitimately pass for 100 yards on them. But uh, that's one of those things that when you start playing a TCU, that's, that's a real, or an Iowa state, both of those teams are upper echelon of the big 12. That's, that's a big ask for a backup quarterback to come in and, and see them having any measure of success. I agree. And it's why it's one of those things that if you're tracking things along on cbssports.com with the contest if you're looking at our twitter feeds we can get you that information as it comes along but that's going to be stuff that i'm tracking throughout the week to see if i can get any hints as to whether either of those guys are going to be back in the starting role alan let's jump over to the sec it's not quarterbacks here but we've got a couple running back situations to look at we have arkansas at auburn this week arkansas has uh, they're starting running back Raheem Boyd expected to be back after he had an injury to his ankle in the win versus Mississippi State last week. Uh, you know, the, Raheem Boyd's the guy that we saw on Last Chance U a couple of years ago. That's a pretty big deal. He's one of their best players. And then at LSU, we have a starting running back, Chris Curry, who missed last week with an undisclosed injury against Vanderbilt, but he is expected to be back this week at Missouri. Yeah, it, it, especially in the, the Arkansas game, they need Rakeem Boyd, right? He's he's a difference maker. He's uh, he's a guy that was honestly incredibly fun to watch on Last Chance U, and you could tell that the talent was just just gleaming from him even there. But he's come to Arkansas and been really good, and and so they need Rakeem Boyd against against Auburn and it's what has been a surprise Arkansas team that that's going to fight you tooth and nail. It's who Sam Pittman is and it's who this Arkansas team has already become Um, versus, you know, LSU and Missouri. I'm, I, 
that's great that LSU's going to have him back, but I don't think that that would have mattered regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, people have been talking about LSU because they kind of have a three-headed deal at running back. So Chris Curry coming back, he may be their starter, but honestly, I don't think they're missing a whole lot even if he sat out. So, hey, it's yep. just one more body to throw into the mix, and it means they've got three dynamic guys that can really damage you out of the backfield. Uh, but – it is their starter, so it's an extra boost for LSU. And hey, one more thing to mention about that LSU game. If you haven't been tracking along, this game was supposed to be at LSU, but because of Hurricane Delta, that game has been switched. We've seen it flipped from Baton Rouge all the way up to Columbia, Missouri. So it's now a home game for the Tigers of Missouri rather than a home game for LSU. I don't really know how that's going to affect your picks, but take note of that if you were on it early in the week. Recognize that this game has switched locations and kind of last minute LSU has to come up with all those travel plans and Missouri gets you know a tiny bit of home field advantage with the small crowd that's able to go. Absolutely. And, and you know, fast it becomes a fast track. The, the whole idea of going down to Death Valley with, with still some of the heat that's down there is no longer a factor. Um, you're out in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. You know, LSU's buses may get lost on the way to the stadium. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can see some, some redneck Missouri people slashing tires and that kind of stuff. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Alan, the reason we do this podcast, the reason we give the news and notes, and the reasons we give extra insight here on the podcast is because the grand prize at the end of our Pick'em Contest is a t-shirt from BellyUpSports.com, a $50 Visa gift card, and a $100 gift card to Championship footballs.com and when you hear that you've got to recognize when you go to championshipfootballs.com they've got recent national championship winners in college football they've got recent super bowl winners in the nfl side they've also got some bowl games and divisional champions in college football as well Uh, they don't have a ton of those but depending on who your team is there is a chance that they've got some of that merchandise there for you and what a $100 gift card will do for you at championshipfootballs.com is it's going to cover one of those footballs that can work as a memorabilia piece for your man cave for your bedroom anywhere you want it right by your TV, any of those things. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, and it means that we have a lot of competition at the top of the board because everybody is working their way toward this grand prize, Alan Denton. Absolutely. I think you should spend the extra money, whoever wins, should spend the extra money and get their football made of their scores each week of the college football year. Ooh, (laughs) I like that. A little custom (laughs) order, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's solid. Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and jump into the pick'em portion of the show. This is where we give you our game of the week and our value picks for our board this week. Let's take a quick look at the standings, Alan, because it was a great past week for both of us. We both jumped up into the top five when we were sitting outside the top ten prior to this week. I jumped up to fourth place. I've got 155 total points. I picked up 56 points last week, which is a tie for the second best score in the group. And Alan, you jumped up right behind me, a tie for fifth. You've got 154 points. You had a weekly score of 54. So congrats, sir. You and I are both climbing the leaderboard and gaining ground on ground on the leader. That's right. Or uh, we're sneaking around the chicken coop or is... Kirk Kerbstreet would say in the, the last NCAA game, you know that saying, get your keys out, we're going on a drive. You and I are moving up that leaderboard, my friend. Yes, sir. It was a great week. As I said, you went eight and four. You actually bettered me in uh, the overall record, but I just had my values positioned in a way that gave me more points on the week than you. Uh, a lot of that was my value pick last week. I said, drop Texas down to the bottom of your board. There weren't a lot of people that did it, and there was TCU getting the upset win. So, Alan, what did you take away from your board? Anything impressive that you came away on? I don't know that it was anything was necessarily impressive at all. I I sure hated the fact that I uh, said that Kentucky would be a would, (laughs) would win big, and then they just went out, like I said, and and laid an egg. But hey. That's sometimes that's going to happen. 
Um, and and I for what it's worth, like we talked about, Kentucky was kind of what we expected they would be offensively. I mean, they outgained yeah. Ole Miss by a good chunk in that game, and they yeah. had opportunities to win it. They missed a field goal. Uh, they fumbled the ball in their first possession when they were right down on the goal line. So yeah, if oh my one or both of those things go back the other way, they might even have won that game comfortably. So I don't even yeah. know that it was that bad of a pick. No. It, at one point, they were up 28-14. to 14. They were in control of that game, and, and then they Kentuckied it, man. <laughs> it is true, Alan. Let's go ahead and jump into this week's board. Our game of the week is number seven, Miami, at number one, Clemson, a top 10 matchup. And I don't know about you, but I am extremely intrigued by this game. When you start off the season and you're looking at the ACC, you're going, yep, it's Clemson and everybody else. Same thing as always. Then Notre Dame gets added to the board and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, we've seen Clemson match up against Notre Dame and kill them. Maybe that won't happen this year, uh, but you're looking at it and going, it, it kind of feels like it's a two-team race. But all of a sudden, like we've talked about, we've got a couple of teams that are really killing it at the top of the ACC. Miami has inserted themselves into the competition, and we're going to see just how real they are this weekend. Absolutely. Both teams are 3-0 and and 2-0 and in the, the ACC, and both of the offenses are averaging more than 42 points a game. I mean, you've got Miami that's got a, a balanced attack. Are, are they going to be able to run the ball against this Clemson defense? You've got Clemson that always plays up for the big games. I mean, that's just kind of naturally who they are. I, th- I think this game's going to be a lot of fun to uh, to watch on Saturday night. Absolutely. Alan, I'm going to start us off with the pick this week because looking back at last week, I picked up some more points than you. I jumped ahead of you by one spot. So, I'll take the honors this week with the lead from last week. Uh, So the way I'm looking at this game, there's a couple of things to take note of. Miami's coming into this one off a bye week. So they've had two weeks to prepare and game plan for this one. You look at Clemson, they're coming off a 41 to 23 win versus Virginia. The game was never really in doubt. I'm not saying that, but... I will tell you that I am a little bit more concerned about Clemson coming off this game than I thought I would be. You know, last year you go back and see what Clemson did against Virginia in the ACC championship game. They won 62 to 17. This game was a lot closer. Virginia's quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, had a pretty good game. He threw for 270, three touchdowns. He did have a couple picks. Uh, but he also ran the ball 22 times for 89 yards. And as a team, Virginia put up 417 yards. So when you're looking at Virginia and, you see, and you're seeing what they did against Clemson, I'm going, well, Miami's offense, I think, is even more dangerous than what Virginia poses. With De'Eric King at quarterback, Cameron Harris in the backfield, Brevin Jordan as a big-time tight end, receiving threat for them, who's an athletic mismatch. Uh, that's going to be a lot of tough stuff. Uh, Rhett Lashley has put up some good game plans, and I think that Miami has really shown themselves to be a true competitor in the ACC. Going on the road is going to be tough, though, up against Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne on the offensive side. We've talked about the D-line and how it's been upgraded for Clemson with some of the freshman stars that are in there. And then, of course, Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator for Miami, going up against the defensive coordinator, mastermind Brent Venables I'm fascinated by that matchup I think it's going to be really really intriguing ultimately I'm going to side with Brent Venables and what he has going on in his defensive game plans I think he's always ready no matter what Uh, but I'm a little bit more nervous about this game than I thought I would be heading into this week so Alan I'm going with Clemson I think they come away with the win in this one uh, but I'm probably putting it somewhere near the middle of my board, not not all the way at the top like I think I I would have thought I would maybe before the season started. Sure, and I'm going to go with you on that. I I think that um, even though both teams are unbeaten, um, as I said before, historically Clemson once once they turned the corner, they've been really good in these types of top games. And it makes me wonder if they weren't kind of looking ahead a little bit, given the fact that they dropped 62 on Virginia last year in the ACC championship game. Um, Here's the thing. Trevor Lawrence doesn't turn the ball over. 
and, and I and I think that's going to be something that's important in that the the turnover chain I don't think is probably going to get to be brought out uh, on on Saturday night, and that's a that's a big deal um, when you're on the road as Miami is. He's thrown 314 consecutive passes without an interception. Uh, which is a, a crazy number and the third longest streak in ACC history. Um, here's the thing with with Miami though they they have a they have a balanced attack, but will they be able to run the ball? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they're averaging 266 through the air and 232 on the ground. But here's here's the the clincher in my opinion. Clemson only allows 90 yards per game on the ground, and so I'm thinking that they're going to make Derek King one-dimensional even though um Derek is is a really physical player and and is averaging I saw this stat is averaging over five yards per carry at, or after contact yeah um but after saying all that I think Clemson wins and they actually I I think they actually cover that spread Ooh. Um, I think they cover it's a 14 point spread right now it's around there I think they actually cover it's going to be on the it, – it's not going to be at the very top of my board, but it's going to be in that upper 25% range. Very interesting. I I like where you're headed. I mean, I think your logic is pretty good. I, I just have some hesitations because kind of what we've talked about, last year when Clemson blew out Virginia and just about everybody else in the ACC, they had a couple of monsters on the outside and T. Higgins and Justin Ross. Of course, Higgins went off to the NFL draft. Ross was supposed to be back this year, but he's out for uh, a surgery that he had in the offseason. They don't have the dynamic playmakers at wide receiver that they did last year. And then you're going up against a secondary. You mentioned the interceptionless streak from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying he is going to throw a pick, but Miami has some talent in the defensive backfield. Uh, you got Al Blades Jr. You've got Bubba Bolden at safety. Uh, those guys are athletic, and they can they can get after the ball. So if Trevor Lawrence tests them deep, uh, I don't know. Maybe one of those guys comes off comes up with one. Um, I I mean I think if one of these teams takes takes control of the game, I'm with you. I think it's Clemson. Uh, I don't think that Miami's going to just run through Clemson. And I think a big part of that is you mentioned Derek King's running ability. I think Brent Venables and what he's going to be coaching this defensive line and the linebackers to do is, hey, just contain that guy. Keep him in the pocket. Make him beat you with his arm. Because if you start coming after him really hot, he's too elusive in the pocket and he's going to get out. And then he starts scrambling to beat you. And then he extends plays and, you know, receivers have more time to get open. And I think a lot of the game plan is probably just going to be, hey, see if you can contain him, keep him in the pocket because you don't want that guy beating you with his legs. Absolutely. He probably rush three, no more than four, and he drop eight. Similar to what, um, Arkansas did to Mississippi State on Saturday for a different reason, but you just you just kind of let things stay in front of you and you come and make the plays and let the offense beat themselves. Very much agreed. Alan, let's go into the value picks this week. I am going to take you, Alan Denton, between the hedges. Ooh. <laughs> this one's going to be fun, man. We've got a top 15 matchup between Tennessee and Georgia. We've talked about it a little bit already. Uh, both you and I are on the same page with talking about Georgia as the favorite in the SEC East. And I think that's what we're looking at this week. It's just a matter of how close is this game going to be? Alan, I think we learned some things this past week. Number three, Georgia is coming off a 27 to 6 win against Auburn. They completely dominated the Tigers. Impressive, but I think that Auburn Tigers have some issues. So I'm not going to just say that's just some unbelievable win. Tennessee's coming off a win against Missouri, 35 to 12. They controlled the line of scrimmage. They ran the ball for a bunch of yards. So I think we are learning some things about these teams. You've got Eric Gray and Ty Chandler in the backfield for Tennessee with Georgia and what they found this week coming off of the win against Auburn. Zamir White got things going. He got in the end zone a couple of times. You had Kyrus Jackson catch nine passes for 147 yards. So, hey, they've got another downfield threat beyond George Pickens. Those are some good things. We mentioned Tennessee in the running game. They've got an impressive O-line. Cade Mays is in there. Hey, man, I think there's a lot of impressive things on both sides of the field for this one. But 
What I'm kind of keying in on is, like we talked about, the Georgia Bulldogs have one of the most dominant defenses we've seen in recent years. It might be the best defense in college football this season, and they're going up against Jarrett Garantano, who, hey, don't tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I don't think I don't think Georgia trusts him uh, to be able to be a big threat in this game. So I think Georgia's going to look at this thing and go, hey, we're going to try and slow down that offensive line and the running game. We're going to stack seven, eight guys in the box when we can, and we're going to face off against these receivers one-on-one, and we're going to make Jarrett Garantano beat us. So I'm looking at that as the game plan. And then, hey, whether it's Stetson Bennett or whether it's JT Daniels, I'm guessing at this point it's still going to be Stetson Bennett, even though I thought JT Daniels was going to be back next week, uh, last week with Georgia. I think that you're looking at a Georgia offense that, hey, they've got somebody they trust in Stetson Bennett. They've got a couple of receivers. The offense seems to be picking it up. Allen, I'm going with Georgia as a 12 and a half point favorite. They would fit in your board at a six or a seven. And I'm saying, hey, I'm taking the defense. I'm taking the reliability at quarterback of Georgia. And I think even though it could potentially be a defensive low scoring game, I think that Georgia, even if it's close, is going to be comfortably ahead for most of the game. I'm taking the Georgia Bulldogs and I'm sliding them up my board. I right now have the Bulldogs at a nine. Ooh, don't go breaking my heart, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> don't go breaking don't go breaking my heart. But I mean here's Here's the deal. Jared Garantano can be, uh, at, at times last year, he was a lot like Santa Claus. Everybody got gifts. Um, so he, he just gave, he would just give it to anybody. Um, Tennessee's without some of their best wide receivers from last year, though the, their wide receivers this year have performed well. They have not had to perform versus a, a team and defensive backs that are up in your face. They will not give you an inch I mean, you have to earn everything, right? And, yeah. and so they play that man coverage, and they are just, yeah. They, I mean, they they are ever in, in every nook and cranny that you can possibly imagine. I mean, they're just they just live with you for the week, essentially. And you got to beat them one on one. And Tennessee hasn't proved that they can do that. Um, so yeah, I definitely understand kind of where you're coming from at this point. Even though the the fan in me. You know, wants to see that that not be the case. I, I certainly understand where you're coming from, and I'm going to pick probably something similar. Yeah, and I mean, to Tennessee's credit, uh, here's the thing. I think what you've seen recently is we've seen Georgia win three games in a row in the series, and, and a lot of them have gotten away from Tennessee. I think the volunteers have closed the gap a lot. I think Jeremy Pruitt has done a really good job recruiting, and I think this game's going to be closer than what we've seen in recent years between these teams. It's just when you look at the superior nature of Georgia's defense, like we talked about, I think that even if Tennessee plays a great game and they come really close, I still think Georgia's winning this game by 7 or 10 points, and outside of a bunch of mistakes – I just think that Georgia can kind of keep Tennessee maybe at arm's length. And and even if it's a close game, it might feel like Georgia's kind of in control of it. That's why I'm boosting it up because, hey, I I don't necessarily think Georgia's going to grab complete control of the game, uh, but I think they are superior and I think they will uh, be able to hold Tennessee at bay even if it's a close game. Absolutely, especially if they're going to allow what seemed to be way more than 25% in Sanford Stadium on Saturday. Did you see that? Honest to God, it looked like that was like 35, 40%. I've never seen it. But, I mean, here's the deal. It could be a sloppy, wet mess in Georgia and all across the South on Saturday. So we may see some weird stuff. And and, and that's one of the reasons I'm going to keep it a little bit lower on my board is just some of the stuff that, that we don't – Stetson Bennett's a smaller, unproven quarterback. If things get wet and nasty and uncomfortable versus a, a Tennessee secondary that is proven, you know Pruitt wants this game so bad mm-hmm. because, I mean, he just – he I don't know that he likes Kirby Smart very much, and I, I don't think that either one of them particularly likes one another. But I also don't think Jeremy Pruitt likes – Georgia a lot from his time in Athens in 2015 and so because of that I really really think Jeremy wants to win this and if it's a sloppy mess he's going to be bringing he and Derek Ainsley are going to be bringing blitz from all over the place 
And you know what? It, it may not matter. It probably won't matter. But um, it's, it's enough of uncertainty that, that I'm going to keep it a little bit lower than, than what um, you have at this point. Sure. Yeah, I understand that. And the weather is going to be a factor. Like you said, all across the southeast, we're going to see a lot of rain and thunderstorms, a little bit of wind mixed in as well. Uh, it's just, if that's the case, you know, I think both of these teams are probably going to keep it on the ground some. And, you know, sure, it could get sloppy and, you know, one side could could fumble the ball four or five times. And if that's Georgia, then I'm kind of burned. But uh, if everything plays out, you know, reasonably well and these teams play kind of the, to their B plus a minus level. I just think that Georgia is a better team. So even with the rainy conditions, I'm going, Hey, I think Georgia, if they just protect the football, I think they're in really good shape in this game. Alan, where are you going with your value pick? All right. My value pick for the week, I'm moving surprisingly, even though I moved them down last week, I'm moving the university of North Carolina Tar Heels up a little bit on my board. Um, right now that that line is about a four and a half, they're about four and a half point favorite in hosting Virginia tech. I'm going to move them to a five or a six. Ooh, Virginia yeah. Tech, yeah. Up to this point, Virginia tech's relied heavily on the run game. They average, this is the, the big thing in studying this game. They've averaged over 300 yards a game running the football. But here's the thing. UNC only allows 54 yards per game. And so I think that's maybe the, the best in the nation at mm-hmm. this point. So I, I think this is strength versus strength. And, and I think that that's going to actually work out for the home team's favor. I think um, Sam Howell plays a little bit cleaner, had a pick last week. Uh, and, and so I, I think that this is going to be one of those interesting uh, games, um, Hokies actually, they average seven yards a carry. Yeah. Which huge. is huge. Unbelievable. But, um, even North Carolina on the road against Boston college last week only allowed 40 yards on the ground and in their win. Um, and I think they're tops nationally against the run. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm going to go UNC around a five or a six and, just, uh, you know, it's going to be wild to see. Yeah, it is going to be a really interesting matchup. Like you said, North Carolina has been good against the run. I question a little bit how much is that, how great is North Carolina defensively, and how much is that their opponents, Syracuse and Boston College. I don't know. Boston College has been throwing it around some. Uh, I'm a little bit more hesitant with this one just because what we've seen out of North Carolina is they've gotten out of the gate a little bit slow. Uh, They had that game against Syracuse to open up the season where it was 10-6 going into the fourth quarter, I believe, before they pulled away. And then that game against Boston College, I kind of boosted North Carolina up my board. You were on it last week. I should have been moving them down. That game ended up being really, really close. And North Carolina stopped that two-point try and returned it for a score themselves to win by four. Uh, But that one was fascinating. And Virginia Tech has had a really good offense, like you said. So, Uh, I don't know. I think that this is definitely a big test for that North Carolina defense. Um, And another key, Alan, that I'll point out to you, uh, I know you're aware of it, but for all the listeners, something to watch out for in this game. We mentioned it with Hendon Hooker. He's one of the guys that's been missing because of COVID and because of contact tracing. But Virginia Tech has been missing over 20 players for each of their first two games. And I don't know how many of those guys are coming back. I'm not sure, but I think the expectation is that they are going to get at least a chunk of them back for this game this weekend. So I'm not exactly sure how many would be starters, how many of them would be backups, uh, but that could be really, really vital to the play in this game because Virginia Tech could get a large percentage of the roster back. Yeah, it, this will be their first game, you know? And, and so if they do come back for Hooker, this will be his first game. And and so that I think that will be pretty critical because they didn't get to play on September 12th. Sure. Right. So that game versus uh, Virginia ended up being canceled after that and everything. So that they weren't able to play. And uh, so this is going to be interesting. So some of those guys will be shaking off the rust. And I think that will be enough to allow a team that in North Carolina, that prior to going to Boston college, who's much improved and, and mm-hmm. getting that win up there. I, I think they will look much more comfortable this year because they've essentially had two 
start games almost yeah. because there was a month in between. I yeah. think they'll get into a little bit more of a rhythm and begin to look like the the top 10, 15 team that um, that we think they are. Alan, I like it. I like the confidence. I, like I said, I'm a little bit more hesitant on that one, but I don't have a strong feel for this one either way. So mine, I think, is going to be much lower on my board. Uh, I mean, talking about much lower, yours is, you're talking about it like a five or a six. So it's not like it's anything dramatic, but I'm probably going to have this in my two or three range. But I've got to figure out who I'm going to pick because I'm kind of flipping back and forth on it because I think I see your argument. I kind of see the side of Virginia Tech that they've had a really good offense, but I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing matchups of the weekend. Alan, is there anything else on the board that you're looking at this weekend as far as your interest goes? I'm thinking you you got to slide. Um, I think you slide Iowa State down a little bit. Um, they've had two big emotional wins. Um, and, and so this could be a, a down game, especially if, um, uh, if Bowman's able to play. Uh, Tech can score on anybody. But, I mean, they give up a ton on defense. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what Matt Campbell can get out of this team. Any, I, I'm always – it's always a cautionary tale for me after I see a team win one or two that's not used to it, that wins a couple of really big games in a row. Yeah. After that, when they play a mediocre team, especially that can score, my antenna is up. And so I try not to to – put too much weight on them yeah I understand the philosophy there it's just with Matt Campbell and that team you've got a veteran quarterback and Brock Purdy uh you you know you're looking at it and you're going hey attention guys you're in in the driver's seat in terms of the big 10 in the in terms of the big 12 you're sitting here at 2-0 and in conference of course you've got a couple other teams you've got to fend off there as well but in a round robin schedule you're already sitting there at the top of the board. I I think that should be a lot of motivation for these guys to get right, you know, before Texas Tech. I'm with you. There could be a letdown, but I'm also looking at it going, hey, if these if you've got a mature enough team, they should take some responsibility over this because they're going, hey, all right, we've taken care of business in the first two weeks in conference play. Of course, we lost that first game to Louisiana. That could happen again. So you've got to be right every single week of this season to be able to put yourselves in a position to take that next jump and get to the conference championship game. Yep, you sure do. And, and that's something that they're going to have to prove. And for me, I'm looking at TCU and Kansas State. Alan, I mentioned it last week. I talked about sliding Texas down your board against TCU. That came to fruition. TCU got the win. Max Duggan, like you mentioned, looked really, really good. And with Kansas State, we don't know for sure, but Skylar Thompson getting his throwing arm hurt, that puts some doubt into whether he's going to be in the field or not. So watch that closely. But if you have any assurance that he's not going to play this week, start boosting TCU up because, hey, same conversations. They're in the middle of the pack. They're looking to move up and try and get a really good season going and make it to the Big 12 championship game. So right now, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic. Slide TCU up a little bit, but do watch those storylines as Skylar Thompson works through this week to see whether he can get on the field or not this weekend. Agreed. Alan, anything else to address before we get out of here? I don't. I don't think so, man. If you've got multiple TVs this weekend, this is a it's a great weekend to pull both of them out. It is, and you know, for the for the uh, balance of a schedule, uh, I was loving this thing right when the games came out earlier this week because I broke it down. We had four noon kickoffs. We had four middle of the afternoon kickoffs, like three thirty and four, and then we had four night games. But when that uh, Missouri LSU game got shifted. They of course shifted the time as well. So that went from a 9 PM kickoff Eastern time to a noon kickoff. So now we've got five on the front end. Uh, but it, regardless, it's going to be a really, really fun day. Yeah. At least that one was one that chances are none of us were going to, we're going to be watching anyway, unless you were a fan of one of those two teams. <laughs> Alan, as always, this weekend is going to be a blast. Like we've talked about, we have 12 games on the board right now. So it's the same as last week. As long as we don't have a postponement or cancellation, there are going to be 78 points on the board available. Last week, nobody got out of the 50s with 78 points available. So this week, as long as there's not a bunch of upsets, I think there could be some really, really high scores on the board. And of course, like we talked about, if things go kind of chalky, if you pick the right upset in the right place, 
then you could be working your way towards a prize pack from Manscaped. So, Alan, there's a ton to look at this weekend, whether you're going for the perfect week or whether you're just trying to climb that leaderboard leaderboard and get into the top 10 as we get into kind of that, I think, separation time for deeper into the season and who's going to really be contending for the first place prize. Uh, but I think it's going to be a blast and certainly a lot to pay attention to this weekend, whether, hey, whether you're in front of your TV or whether you're following along on social media. Exactly right. Best of luck, fools. And as always, you can follow us on social media. The things you can do to help out the show the best. Follow on social media. That's at the Blackout Pod on Facebook and on Twitter. That's at AD on the Blackout. That's how you follow follow Alan. You can follow me at TB on the Blackout. And of course, give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Those have been coming in. That All that stuff helps a ton, and it means that in future years when we have this contest, it means that we're going to have bigger and better prizes. We're going to be able to bring more people in. And hey, like we said earlier in the show, if you've got a friend who would enjoy this type of thing, invite them, get them in contact with us, and we'll get them in the group. That way they can compete for the prizes at least on a weekly basis throughout the rest of the year. That's exactly right. We we, we want to play with everybody, right? We're, We're Equal opportunity players. <laughs> that is exactly right. Alan, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for your time, and I'm looking forward to another Pick'em Pod with you next week, sir. Let's do it, my friend. That's coming up to you next week right here on The Blackout. Blackout.